You have just tuned in to the Cowbell Factors podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Sierra Vaughn, Director of Agency Marketing for Cowbell Cyber, cyber insurance made easy. Cowbellers, I'm really excited about our next guest of the season. We have with us none other than Assistant Special Agent in Charge for the FBI San Francisco Cyber Branch, Elvis Chan. Let's give a warm cowbell welcome to Elvis. Welcome, Elvis. Hi, Alexis. I like the special effects. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's always a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I, I always believe in more cowbell myself. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. See, we're on the same page, Elvis. This is already starting out good. <laughs> so, Elvis, our audience is really excited to hear from you. So let's get into it. So, Elvis, can you tell our audience a little bit about your background and what you do at the cyber branch for the FBI San Francisco? Yes. So I have been an FBI agent for the last 16 years now. I manage the cyber branch of the FBI. So each branch within a local field office is comprised of squads. So I manage nine squads. Uh, Six of them are cyber squads. One is our computer forensics lab. Another one is our technical operations squad that handles um, the car trackers and body mics and things like that. And then our ninth squad is our private sector and community outreach squad. Nice. Nice. It sounds like an exciting job. Always something going on. <laughs> yes. It's it's really fun and there's never a dull day. I'm sure. I'm sure. So being that your office kind of operates in a technology hub of the country right now, how long would you say cybersecurity has actually been an issue for the FBI? It's funny you mentioned that because um, I've been thinking back about it. And so the FBI officially made a cyber division, I think, in 2004. So in wow. 2004, right, like our agency decided, oh, like we need to focus on cyber and specifically, you know, computer intrusions, uh, Internet enabled crimes. And I would say mm, it's only been in the last maybe five or six years that I've noticed companies really paying attention to cybersecurity. And the reason mm-hmm. for that is you know, like the massive financial losses from business email compromise, ransomware, all that stuff. Since we are, Cowbell Cyber is a cyber insurance company, we do always recommend that all of our clients, small to medium-sized businesses, kind of have an incident response plan in place. So, you know, with that being said, at what point should a business engage with their local FBI field office? I would always say that they should engage before something bad happens. So I think establishing a good (laughs) relationship with your local FBI office, uh, not on a Friday evening when your hair is completely (laughs) on fire from a ransomware attack is always the best time. So, I mean, it's it's very easy. If you go to FBI.gov, you you know, we have 56 field offices spread across the United States. There is definitely a field office near, you know, your company, but you know, you can just reach out and say, hey, I'd, I'd like to establish a relationship with the cyber squad. That's something that we always like to hear. So, Elvis, with that being said, does a company need to be a certain size or maybe have a minimum revenue loss in order to engage the FBI during a cyber incident? No, I, I really like talking with you, Cowbell, because I, I would say that for us, it's the most difficult to reach small and medium-sized businesses, you know, just, mm. just because, um, like, 
it's easier for me to get to trade association meetings or technology conferences. So the opportunity to speak with you and letting you know that SMBs, like, please feel free to reach out to your office. And at the very least, you, you know, like, we'll talk with you on the phone. We'll say, yes, you know, you, you can add my name to your incident response plan. If anything hits the fan, please feel free to call me. That is great to know because, you know, I'm sure from being a small to medium-sized business, the last thing that they would think is that they could actually start a relationship with, you know, an organization like the FBI and be able to add them to the incident response plan is really huge. That way you can call the FBI before uh, you decide to do anything um, further when there is a cyber incident. Yes, I, I completely agree. I can't guarantee that we'll always be able to open an investigation, you know, because we have financial loss thresholds. But I do okay. guarantee that we'll be able to at least talk to you. And we have a lot of familiarity with all of the major cyber crimes, so we can at least offer guidance at the very least. That is great news to hear. So, you know, the million dollar question is kind of thinking about that, kind of where we would engage the FBI if I'm a SMB. You know, in the event of a cyber incident, should businesses pay the ransom or is this something that the FBI can assist with? So the official FBI stance is to not pay the ransom. And Good the reason, know. yeah, the, the reason for that is actually twofold. Number one, it is a sucker bet. In my experience, when companies end up paying the ransom, about one out of every four times, they get the key and it successfully unlocks all of their information. The other three out wow. of four times, uh, what happens is maybe they give you the key and you can decrypt most of the information, but some of it is still corrupted. And other times they just don't give you the information. And then the second reason to not pay the ransom is you're just emboldening the criminal to continue victimizing companies like yours and other companies. And so th those are the two main reasons. And, uh, you know, like a uh, I would say cyber insurance companies were a little bit more cavalier paying ransoms earlier on. But now mm -hmm. that I've seen with the rash of ransomware attacks, as you have seen, um, they've raised their premiums and they're a little bit more thoughtful about paying out the ransoms, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure that makes your job a lot easier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, although ransomware, like you just mentioned, has been the most notable cyber crime in the last few years, what are the top five cybersecurity risks for businesses this year in 2022? So, so I would say ransomware is tied for number one with business okay. email business email compromises, right? So, the, mm. you know, someone sending you an email or a text trying to get you to wire money, like that's still like a big deal. I would say last year we had almost $2 billion in reported losses just from business email compromise. You wow. Know, someone, yeah. Someone convincing you. So I would say number three in, in terms of like risks are all of the other cyber enabled fraud, specifically like someone trying to spoof an, a website that you think you're going to, like, you know, you type in a website that you think you're going to, but you fat fingered it and you're actually going to a website that looks like a retail <laughs> website, but is actually controlled by a bad guy, right? So spoofed websites. Another thing is um, all of the 
just phishing emails that everyone gets. I've noticed, you know, specifically with COVID-19 coming up and an uptick in the number of phishing emails that people get. Hey, you want 20% off, you know, and it looks like it's from Best Buy or Bed Bath & Beyond, right? But it's really not. And then I would say the last trend that we've really seen in the COVID-19 era is phishing. So someone sends you an email, but then they follow up with a phone call. So what we've seen a lot is, yeah, like the Microsoft help desk, you'll get an email and it looks like Microsoft help desk. Hey, we've noticed that your computer is acting funky. Um, Please call this number and we'll help you out. And then you, you call the number or they call you and they say, Hey, you know, like, please click on this link so I can get remote access to your computer and I will help you out. Right. So those are the big trends that we've seen. Oh, wow. Now, see, I can definitely say that I've probably interacted with all top, uh, at least the, at least four of the five that you named <laughs> throughout <laughs> my career and just at home. I definitely remember the one where, where uh, Microsoft actually called me after they uh, kind of came on my computer and said I had a huge virus. So what did I do? I called them because I wanted to know how they could fix my oh, computer. No. <laughs> But I did not give them any information. So we're safe on that side. (laughs) But that's good to know, you know, that the emails are still one of the biggest things. Especially with businesses, because I mean, especially I remember receiving um, throughout my career, multiple emails from someone pretending to be the VP or even your boss saying, send information here. And um, I know I've even worked for a company where the poor accounting person uh, sent, sent had like an invoice manipulation Absolutely. Uh, thing as well. No, that happens all the time. Yeah. So have you seen things like that happening uh, with just the larger businesses or or the SMBs also affected by that as well? Everyone. I, I would argue SMBs are more affected by it, Alexis, because at least with large companies, there's protocols, right? Like if you, mm-hmm. you know, wire a certain amount of money, then you have to go through all of these authorizations if you're a big company, right? But if you're yeah. an SMB, then it, it's you, right? Like maybe you're the owner and accountant for the company and you, you know, you, you think it's something legit because, you know, you didn't take the time to like hover over the email and notice that it's a bunch of nonsense, you know, letters and stuff. And it's not from who you think it is. Mm-hmm. It happens. I would say it happens more to SMBs. And um, the reason for that is because, they they'll just spray all of those emails out and then hope for the best. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that definitely happens pretty often. So Elvis, what would you say are some good steps that businesses can take to prevent cybercrime? So I, I would say you hit the first one. You need to have an incident response plan, right? So that that's like the number one thing you should have a plan for what to happen when it hits the fan. And and I would say, you know, people know what to do. If there is like an earthquake, they should know what to do. If there is a fire right at their mm-hmm. business, they should know what to do. If they have a cyber security incident, they should definitely know what to do. I would say that's number one. Number okay. two, I would say is for your email, for your business's email or logging onto your computer network or server, you need to have multi-factor authentication. So at least two-factor authentication like a password, right? And then someone pushing you, you know, like a text that has a code that you have to interpret. And I, I would say in my experience, 
only about 20% of businesses that I work with use multi-factor authentication because they think it's a pain in the butt, right? Mm -hmm. They do. (laughs) And then the third one, since you mentioned ransomware, is everyone needs to back up their data. And I would say the best advice I have for backing up your data is to use the three, two, one best practice. You should have at least three backups of your most important data on two separate mediums. And, and the two separate mediums, one can be a cloud backup service, which I use, and the other can be like an external hard drive or it can be, you know, like some other, like a tape drive or something. And then the one is one of those backups needs to be offline at all times because uh, all the new variants of ransomware will look for your online backups and corrupt them. So that's wow. why we see a lot of companies paying the ransom is because even though they had backups, they were corrupted. So they're at the mercy of the bad guys. Wow. But these are some great, great notes to know, especially being a small to medium-sized business on ways to prevent cybercrime. So, you know, tell us a little bit about um, some cybercrime cases that you've worked on and how you were able to actually help recover assets for a business. Yeah, so... That is a great question, Alexis. Uh, so, you know, it, it's known in the public now. Typically, we don't tell, we in the FBI don't don't reveal investigations that we have, but like when they reach a certain level of national interest, then we do. So we, we're the lead office for the investigation into Colonial Pipeline. If you remember, wow. <laughs> that was, wow. you know, <laughs> a, a fuel distribution company on the East Coast, yeah. um, the dark side ransomware had an attack on it. And so the good news is that the Colonial Pipeline already had a good relationship with the local field office, FBI Atlanta. Mm. And and so they were able to engage with them right away. Atlanta knew that we were the lead office for investigating DarkSide. So they reached out to us. We were able to work with them. And so from the very beginning, we were plugged in with them, trying to share you know intelligence that we had from our investigation. And you know, they shared information from the bad guys. Uh, and I, I think you're aware, you know, that they paid the ransom. We were able yeah. to track the ransom and the bad guys tried to, you know, launder it through all of these different mechanisms. But because we were already plugged in with Colonial Pipeline, we tracked the ransom and we were able to seize it back for them. And since wow. then, we've had, you know, like other FBI field offices have had uh, massive ransom seizures as well. And, and really... That's all about if you can plug in with your local field office, at least we've got a shot at clawing back the ransom. If you don't even call us, then we've got no shot at all. Wow. See, that is some good stuff to know. And all of these same things can truly, truly be done even at the small to medium-sized business level because especially if they're doing exactly what you said earlier, Elvis, engaging your local FBI field office in advance before there is a cyber incident, correct? Exactly. Absolutely. And the other thing is, you know, I I mentioned business email compromise, you know, Mm -hmm. resulting in $2 billion worth of losses. The other thing that we've done um, that you should do before you call the field office, if you experience a business email compromise, is to go to our website, ic3.gov. That's the Internet Crime Complaint Center. If you can put in a financial fraud kill chain request, um, what we can do is, like, we have analysts looking for financial crime or financial yeah, fraud kill chains requests 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you can get us that complaint within 24 hours of having wired the money, we have had an 82% success rate of being able to get you your money back. 
And the wow. minimum loss amount is $10,000. But if it's over 10 grand that you've lost, get it to us within the first 24 hours and we've got a really good success rate. Unfortunately, if it's over 24 hours, then it's harder for us to get the money back because, um, you know, like people will, the bad guys will like launder it through different accounts. But within the first 24 hours, we've got a really good shot. That is great to know. So Elvis, um, one question I have for you is, how does the FBI work with cyber insurance companies like Cowbell Cyber when there is an actual cyber crime that happens? Yeah, so so that's a really good question. And so the good news, right, like you and I, we're, we're talking right now, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm very familiar with, with Cowbell Cyber, right? Like I've, yeah. I've, I've worked with your company a lot. The way it works in general is like cyber insurance companies typically have a portfolio of recommended uh, companies that you work with, right? Incident response companies, attorneys, all of that. So whenever there is uh, an incident, a security incident that goes on, we will typically be on the phone with the IT guy from the victim company, the general counsel from the victim company. And then like from the cyber insurance side, we'll be in touch with the incident response company that the cyber insurance company has and the external legal counsel. Like that's, that's how we typically engage the more fun way that we engage is I know a lot of, cyber insurance companies, yourself included, will do tabletop exercises, right, for their clients. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then the FBI participates in these tabletop exercises as well. So pretty much I'm I'm preaching to the choir when I'm talking to you, but Uh I think it's good for your clients and for, um, you know, SMBs and other companies in general to hear it from, you know, their insurance company as well as from the FBI. That is such a great value add there, being able to have that tabletop discussion in advance, just when you're in the process of getting your policy and being able to talk to the FBI early on is just such a great idea. And see, that's something that a lot of people don't know that you guys offer. So thanks for sharing that with us, Elvis. So another question I have for you is, what has been like the worst case scenario that you've seen happen with the business who suffered a cyber incident? And they didn't have cyber insurance coverage, for instance. So that that's a good question. Yeah, there there are some companies that will just go without cyber insurance. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the biggest value of having cyber insurance myself is that the insurance companies make you jump through hoops and force you to have better cybersecurity, right? Uh-huh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the one thing that I've noticed, yes. you know, cause, cause no one wants to have to, to pay out a ransom if they don't have to. So, um, mm-hmm. but companies that don't, um, we, I've, I've run into a lot of companies like that and, um, what'll happen, I hate to say it, but the statistics will say, if you have suffered a significant security breach, uh, and you're a small to medium sized business and, you know, you don't have an incident response plan. You don't have like backups or anything. You will go bankrupt in six months, <laughs> like 50%, 50% of these victim companies go bankrupt within six months. That's how wow. bad it is. Wow. That, that is good to know. You know, so basically what I just got from that is Elvis is that it is very important to have cyber insurance coverage because you can save yourself and your business a headache and also possibly save your company from going out of business if you do have a cyber incident of some kind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I can't endorse any one company over another, but having Mm -hmm. cyber insurance means you're paying for that expertise to help you with your cybersecurity. Correct. 
That is good stuff. Good stuff. So Elvis, what are some of the cyber crime ransom misconceptions that you've seen in your career? I, I would say the misconceptions are like, number one, I think we've already touched on it a little bit is that the FBI isn't interested or can't help you. Like yeah. that, that, that's totally a misconception, right? Every, mm-hmm. every cyber agent that I work with, you know, FBI, every FBI cyber agent, they're happy to talk to you. I mean, we, we can't always open investigations, but we can talk to you. We can provide you with advice, with guidance on, on, you know, the things that you can do. And, and this is based on all the experience of all of the, you know, cyber investigations that we work. That's number one. Number two is that, like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to pay this ransom and, and move on my merry way. It's not always that easy. And I think you know that as well as I do, Alexis. People who have been um, the victim of a cyber attack and who have mm-hmm. paid who have paid the ransom or paid the extortion amount are twice as likely to be attacked within the next six months. So yes. you open yourself up and, you know, if you don't have you know, a good cybersecurity resource to help you remediate your networks, then you're twice as likely to be hacked again. I would say those are the two top things that are kind of myths. Okay, that's good to know. See, that's why I like to have these conversations, especially um, at this level with the FBI, so that the small to medium-sized businesses are truly, truly informed on what can and cannot be done when it comes to engaging the FBI when you're experiencing any type of cyber incident. So, Elvis, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our audience, Um, maybe some ways they can engage with their local field office or anything? Yeah. So yeah, the, the two things I would say, number one, please, you know, think, you know, go to FBI.gov and, and figure out where your local field office is. You can either send them an email or you can give them a phone call and say, hi, you know, I'm, I'm a business owner or, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the security officer for this company. I would like to establish a relationship with the FBI. Can you patch me through the cyber squad? That's number one, have that relationship. Number two is go to ic3.gov if you've suffered any sort of cyber enabled crime, right? Like I, I, like I said, we can't always open a case, but if you can give us the data, and, you know, like say you've suffered a thousand dollars worth of loss, but say another thousand people have suffered the same scam from the bad guys. What we can do is our analysts at ic3.gov can review all of the information, bundle it together and either figure out if it's part of an existing case or refer it to a field office to work. So I would say those are the, the two things that I would really ask your listeners to do. Perfect. Elvis, it has been such a pleasure having you on the Cowbell Factors podcast today. Um, We really enjoyed all of the insight and tips that you gave today. And I just want to thank you for joining us again. Well, thank you very much for having me, Alexis. Yes, anytime, anytime. Tune in next week for another episode of the Cowbell Factors podcast. Hit the subscribe button for updates and new episodes available on all podcast platforms. For more information about our cyber insurance products or to learn how to get appointed with Cowbell Cyber, visit cowbell.insure. Cyber insurance made easy. See you next week.